0: Boss crack. Big dogs. Welcome. Bike to the channel. Welcome to the new headquarters. This is the new digs for the time being. Uh, we're in studio. We're in the BDGE headquarters. First time uh, recording anything in here. Uh Oh, I got the YouTube in the background I'm already fucking this up. What else would that be? Um, so yeah, we're, we're in the new studio. We're gonna get this together. I promise. But uh, as life goes on. NFL things are happening. We have the Combine taking place this week. uh, Yesterday was the first day of the Combine. So we had quarterbacks, we had wide receivers, we had tight ends. Uh, A lot of promising guys that we're excited about didn't end up testing, but there's still plenty of nonsense that happened yesterday. This was a a really, really first fun day of the Combine. Uh, Today, later on, we will have running backs ripping off, which is probably and arguably – uh, a much more enjoyable fun day especially for like dynasty twitter because dudes love to yell about like 40 times when it comes to running backs but i thought it would be um nothing better than to bring on a good friend of mine in ray gq over here this he's like the king of everything Devi and college players going on in the content creation space he's one of uh, he's one of few guys out there that can, you know, hold down his own individual shit. He's just got the X factor, man. I really, really respect him as a content creator. And we go back and forth in the DM sometimes. I'm talking about business, talking about content. A lot of times we're just yelling about like fat running backs from Oklahoma. This year will be no different than that. So I want to, uh, I want to welcome to the channel. Uh, a lot of you guys probably know him. If you don't know him, make sure that you go subscribe to his YouTube channel and follow my Twitter link down below. Ray GQ, my man. You are on mute. Just letting you know. You probably already knew that because you're. A Dynamite content creator, but yes, he's off mute now. Ray GQ, what's going on, baby?
1: Yes, sir, baby. What's happening, Nick? Man, I'm excited, bro. Like, man, appreciate the introduction. Loving the new digs you got over there. I gotta make a trip back to New York, man, to check it out when you get everything situated. But yeah, man, crazy shit. We were talking last night, man. A lot of content, content to talk about from uh from everything that popped off yesterday. Running backs, we got some height and weight today. A lot of people not doing shit. A lot of people doing shit. So it's gonna be fun, man.
0: Yeah, I was I was a big fan of uh, you piecing together C O N with the fucking tent emoji. You didn't, you couldn't tell from my excitement, but that kind of made me. I went off and when you did that. I was like, I'm stealing <laughs> that immediately. immediately. I was like, we got hella content for tomorrow. I was excited about the show. I know Ray's excited about the show. We got a lot of stuff to uh, recap. But before we get into it, man, what do you got going on over there? I know you're uh, you're busy, guys. So thank you for coming on the show. But like. Tell me some some plans you got for Destination Devi and just Mister Ray G Q himself and what's going on in your world.
1: Yeah, man, just trying to grow it out, man. You know, we talked two years ago, and I was just trying to like get stuff in order and and grow a YouTube channel and and try to just be consistent with creating content. Um, and two years later, that's you know that's taken shape, that's taken form. Um, so the big thing for us is just refining the morning show, man. Wake up with Ray G Monday through Thursday. Uh, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Me and Jay Rish get on there, chop it up about football, basketball. We're really into uh, the prop betting space right now, man. So just trying to create content. And um, much like you, man, there's a lot of content creators out there, dude who want it all for themselves, right? Like it's mine, it's, it's my stuff. It's, 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 everything's got to be Reggie Q. man. I'm I'm at the point now where I want to see other people on my team grow, bro. Like I'm putting, I'm adding new content creators to the podcast space, letting them jump on the video aspect of it. Like trying to grow this thing, man. It ain't a, it, I just think you get a lot further, man, when you got good people around you that want to see you succeed and you want to push them to be the best they can be. So I'm looking at the 4D guys that I have, Off the Line Fantasy, Elite Seekers with Ben Eby. So just trying to elevate the entire squad around me, man, so we can put out dope content that appeals to everybody. So that's really what's cooking uh, over here with OGQ right now, bro.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the way you got to look at it because, you know, you can only take it so far yourself as an individual content creator. And that um, that really like hit me, you know, this year over the last like year and a half or so. And you need to start building out the foundation of um of the people around you. And it also allows you to be flexible with what you want to do. You know, because if you start, you know, you like you got Jordan who can hold things down by himself if you ever need to make him do so. And then it, it lets you kind of pivot to things that maybe you become a little bit more passionate about. So that's the mindset you got to have. And you guys are you know, it's no surprise, but you just got to continue to be patient. You go hard in the short term, be patient in the long term, and good yeah. things will happen and good things are happening to you. So um yeah. with that intro, man, I'm ready I'm ready to talk a little bit of combine stuff. We had the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, and the tight ends uh, do their thing yesterday. Now, almost all of the quarterbacks decided to sit out of the 40-yard dash, which is like who really gives a fuck at the end of the day because that's not really what's going to be – Something that gets a guy drafted higher or really changes the perspective on anything. It. Not it is nothing that you couldn't see on film because you know it's not like quarterbacks are not like running backs where the difference between like a four, five, five and a four, four, five is huge. It's either like you're mobile and you can move or you can't. And we kind of know that from the film anyway. So what I'm gonna do real quick is just kind of rip off like the main synopsis of everything that happened at the quarterback position for like the top guys. And then afterwards you can kind of add in any spice that you want. Or if you got some like later round dudes that you think are worth mentioning that I didn't really get into um, then, you know, you can layer a little bit of icing on top of the cake, but we will start with Mr. Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati ran a four 5 two, uh, very fast. I mean, we knew he was mobile, but that's, pretty fucking fast for a quarterback fortunately you know there's two parts of being a quarterback uh, outside of just your legs you also need to throw the ball pretty fucking well and Ritter (laughs) is questionable at that at best so Ritter uh good run we'll have to see what is you know what his arm brings at the next level we have Mr. Kenny Pickett rip off a light you know four seven three which I love to see because Pickett's a guy that I'm really really high on in this class he's probably my favorite quarterback um for rookie drafts unless like Something happens where Malik Willis goes like top five in the NFL draft and Pickett falls to like 25 or some shit like that. But I like Pickett the most well rounded. And the fact that he ran a 473 kind of just confirms what we saw on tape that he is mobile. And I think he, yeah. I mean, he's not a fucking scrambler by any means, but he is a guy that I think can have like Patrick Mahomes type rushing games where he rips off like 25 yards or 30 yards just because he has that ability malik wills didn't test but he comes in at uh six foot 220 pounds so he's a thick boy and that's what we saw you know he's not going to be fragile when he's running the ball so no concerns there sam howell tweaked the calf at senior bowl practice did not test matt corral had the ankle injury in the sugar bowl also didn't test we'll see those guys at the uh at the pro bowl but anything else to kind of like add on or take away from quarterbacks or things that you thought were notable outside of kenny pickett's burger king hands
1: yeah, man, uh, everybody everybody was flipping out about Pickett and the hand size. And, I mean, I think he had 26, 26 turnovers, 26 fumbles. It was some some, some wild stat, right? Yeah. But here's my thing, man. The dude hands didn't just become small at the combine. His shit's been little, right? <laughs> His hands have been small, and we have seen him have some level of success, a high level of success at the college level. So while not ideal, um, I, I, don't, I don't know how much – I'm moving him down based on that because we knew his hands were small. He didn't measure him at the senior bowl because we knew they were small. He had to stretch him out. I think him dropping a four seven uh, that was good. And like you said, he's not—I I call him a tactical scrambler, right? It's—it's yeah. it's like Joe Burrow, right? Joe Burrow, you're not—you're not locking him in for forty rushing yards a week, um, but when when pressed to do that in game action, he's got the ability to do that. So, Kenny Pickett, the fact that he ran a four seven. He is mobile. Uh, he is athletic. I think he had a higher vertical jump than some of the damn wide receivers. So uh, I think that's really good for, for Kenny Pickett. And I think just watching Malik Willis, what, what kind of sucked, and I don't know if you were, were watching it live last night, Nick, but they would have Malik Willis throw 80-yard passes, and then right after that, Kenny Pickett would go up the throw. And there's just a notable arm difference, right? How much does arm strength factor in? It's, it's all information. Like, I think we can debate that date, you know, for a long time. Like, how much does arm strength actually matter? Well,
0: he's got good arm strength. It's just not like, in my opinion, it's just not like deep arm strength. He's got right, really good, like, right. velocity and zip. So it comes in shapes and sizes.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I mean. You can argue the, like, how that factors in, right? Yeah. Um, you know, for fantasy, Malik is the guy, I think, w- when you're talking, if all the stars align, and he hits. I think he's the one that has the ability to to slide inside of that top ten. Here's the here's the issue, Nick. And I don't know if you've addressed this. Everybody's thinking about, oh, I want the next Mahomes, and the next Allen. News flash for everybody out there: Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, uh, Herbert. Th- these dudes like that's your top five for like the foreseeable future. You know what I'm saying? Like it's going to be hard for any quarterback in 2022, 2023 to crack that, you know, that, that top five threshold, man. So I think we've got to start lowering, not lowering your expectations, but tempering them for all these incoming rookies. You ain't getting Josh Allen and Justin Herbert every single year. Like for me, that, that threshold starts, you're talking about like QB eight, QB nine. Cause we ain't even talking about Trey Lance, Justin Fields, what they can become. So if you like Pickett at the top, that's cool, man. I, I think he's all right. You know, I think he's going to be a solid QB at the next level I don't know if he's gonna what the fuck is going on in my thing I don't yeah. know what he's gonna be all Getting time flat. Your, your producers yeah,
0: like yeah. your producers like get that picket bullshit yeah get out that
1: picket of that, you know? out of here yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> He is the top dog yeah no that's a good point I mean there's so many exciting quarterbacks in the game today that it's just become a custom for us to want the next fucking thing coming in and this class probably just isn't it I mean there's upside. I think there's more upside in Pickett than he's giving uh, than he's been giving credit for. I think Malik Willis naturally just has a ton of upside because of his mobility and his scrambling stuff. And like, I, I, I don't, th- you know what? Overall, dude, like this class, for me, a lot of people don't like the class because the top end talent doesn't seem to be on par with a lot of the previous year's top end talent. However, from like what we're doing in terms of like fantasy and rookie drafts and dynasty, I would argue it's like, one of the most enjoyable classes because there's no top dog at quarterback. There's no top dog consensus wise at running back. There's no top dog at wide receiver. There's no top. There's literally no top consensus pick at any of the four fucking fantasy relevant positions. So this is a class where you can finally, people are going to have to make their own takes. You know, it's not like you can't just take the consensus at everything and then just ride with that. And then if players don't hit you, will be like, well, everybody had that guy up there. So it's not just me. (laughs) It's like, this is the year that you got to go out on a limb and get your fucking guy. So this is – I don't know. I think this is going to be a fun-ass class.
1: You hit the nail on the head. Yeah, there will – I've been saying it for months. There will be no consensus on anything until April 28th. Whenever the night of the draft is, that's when we'll figure out. Nick, we can, we can offer people a $100 to give us top five quarterbacks off the board in order, top five running backs off the board in order, top five wide receivers, and I guarantee no- – the 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 range of combinations nobody will fucking hit it man like I, I just don't think there's going to be any consensus and we'll figure out day one day two of the NFL draft
0: yeah I uh I was listening to a podcast this morning I can't remember who or what it was to be honest but it was like uh someone that was at the combine and at the senior bowl and they asked six different NFL executives who their wide receiver ones were and they got six different answers on it so it's like Dude, it's exciting. And I think this combine made it even even more difficult because some of the guys that were probably in that like second ish tier might have jumped up into the wide receiver one conversation. So let's just jump right into the uh, into the wide receivers and we can talk some winners, uh, some losers. Let's let's go like big picture because combine stuff with wide receivers, especially like straight speed, you know, just 40 yard dashes. It's not predictive at all in terms of future success. But based on combine performances yesterday, like the all around spectrum of shit, was there anyone that actually like moved in your rankings based on what they did yesterday?
1: Yeah. So for me in my process, I don't I'm not moving anybody based on the combine. Like I've got my tiers and my rankings pre combine. I'm gonna let draft capital sort it out. But the reality is, I think there was a massive winner yesterday and his winning didn't just start yesterday the winning carried over from the senior bowl. And I'm talking about Christian Watson, though. I mean, I mean, how can you whatever preconceived notion you had about this kid coming in? It's like you should switch it up now. I mean, yeah, uh, just 99th percentile height adjusted speed score. I mean, you got it. I don't even need to say anything, but there's no doubt, Nick. I think this kid is what? First round lock, right? Are we saying top top 32 lock at this point for Christian Watson?
0: Dude, so, yeah, it's so interesting. I, I'm pretty sure you're the first person that put me on to Christian Watson because you went to the Senior Bowl, and then one of your podcasts shortly after that was talking about how he was the alpha at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Then I went and watched the film, and I was like, holy shit, this is a really interesting prospect. start to look at the numbers and you're like it's a little bit wonky because he goes to North Dakota State so you have so much to contextualize and figure out like why he's not putting up the raw numbers and whatever but when you watch him play it's like you know he could play at the next level and I think the combine is especially useful for small school dudes because if you want I mean listen if you're a small school dude that's an NFL prospect like you're and you're playing at, like, fucking, I don't know, uh, Montana State Tech Culinary Institute, like, of course you're going to fucking look good going against dudes that are in that same conference because even if you're running a 4-9, the dudes you're playing against are running, like, five nines, right? So you have to contextualize it. So you, you come to the combine, and it shows you what your athleticism is relative to actual NFL players. So small school guys are guys you need to keep an eye on. I don't think anyone had a doubt that Christian Watson was going to test fucking through the roof, but holy shit, he could barely fit on the player profiler page. I mean, his bumps are up to here four, three, six, 40 yard dash at what was it? Six, four, 208 pounds or something yeah, like that.
1: Yeah, Yep. 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 Yes. Yeah, so
0: well at this point, I mean like the dude is versatile. He takes end of rounds for fucking tugs. He is a returner. He can play the deep ball possession. The only real knock I've heard, like some people obviously always nitpick and be like, he's not a crispy route runner. I think you'll hear that for every single prospect in the draft or whatever. Uh He's had a little bit of uh, some drop issues. I know he didn't have that at the senior bowl. I think that could be something that might get a little bit of knock on him, but um. Yeah, I think originally he was probably like a mid-round pick, third or fourth round pick. Then the senior bowl happened, probably moved up to like second round draft cap. And I had uh, Brett Coleman on uh, a couple days ago and he had tweeted out like weeks ago, he he loved Christian Watson and he was like, I think, I think it's the Vikings maybe at 12. He was like, I would love for the Vikings to him at 12. Yeah, he was on it real early. And uh and I recited that in one of my videos, and people were like, No fucking way. But I was like, yo, if you can get him as a first round pick. On one of these websites where you get to bet on it like lock that in right now and now i can't imagine he drops out of the first
1: yeah he he's locked in man i, I i'll go with the um an off the beaten path an off the wall sort of player who didn't do anything that i still think won because of expectations for some other players but i think drake london was a winner as well and he didn't do shit right besides measure in at six three Seven eighths. The narrative is better than the truth. I'm saying he's six three because the comps and the hit rate at six three are a lot better than at six four, but essentially six foot four. But 219, he's close to being healthy. This is what we set ourselves up for failure every year. We do this shit every year, and we had alien type expectations for Traylon Burks when in reality, he had a when you're looking at size adjusted speed. He had a damn good four or five at two twenty is moving right, but we come in thinking that he's going to be a four three four four. So the overwhelming, you know, feeling and sentiment is he had a bad combine. Um, I think Drake London helped themselves by not doing anything. Like he did nothing besides weigh in, talk to the scouts. He, he sounds good in interviews, but I think a byproduct of him not doing anything and potentially running slower than expected, uh, pulling a David Bell out there. I think Drake London <laughs> helped himself a ton. And I've been saying it. If I'm Drizzy Drake, I'm pulling the Devontae Smith route. I'm not doing shit. Like I'm not doing anything. Pro day, I'll run some routes, catch the ball, show you my ankle is healthy. But as far as testing, I'm good, bro. Like y'all saw what I did in the Pac-12. You saw what I did with Armon Ross St. Brown and Michael Pittman on the same team as me like draft me in the first round of call today. I think Drake London was a winner and he didn't even do anything at the combine.
0: Yeah. I'd agree with that. I don't think there was any way that he was going to come away from the combine testing, not testing where it was like, you liked him less uh, outside of running like a four, seven, eight or some shit. This calling card is not speed. I mean, I kind of look at dude, I kind of look at these, my top three wide receivers are some combination of Burks, London, Garrett Wilson. And to me, they're all like really similar players in terms of skill sets because there's not a lot of blemishes in their game. They're like the same player in different body types, right? They're all really good at catching the ball. They're all really good at separating. Whether it's like you put it, you know, it doesn't have to be within route running. You can either separate uh, at the line of scrimmage. You can separate in yep. route. You could separate yep. at the end of the route when you're yep. going up the sky for the fucking ball. You know, they're they're all three guys that can do basically everything. And when they, what I love about Drake London too is like. You know, he's 6'3", almost 220, but he can move with the ball in his hands, too. He's not a Mike Evans where he's just, like, catching the ball and then flopping onto the oh, ground. So, <laughs> he's a, you know, he's a player – He it's so hard not to be excited about any of these three guys. Um, Drake London, obvious winner. I think he was always going to get really high draft capital. I don't think that changes whatsoever. I do want to touch on Traylon Burks, though, because – like, his 40 time, it started getting to get into, like, the mythological range. I felt like we were playing yeah. a game of telephone with him. It was like every time you heard what he was going to run at the Combine, it got lower and lower and lower. Like, we knew he was going to come in 225, 230. People were like, he's going to run a fucking 4-4. And then he's he's going to run a 4-3-8. It got down to, like, four three two or some crazy shit like that. Traylon Burks ends up running um, – where did I pull it up? Hold up, hold up? Oh, you're killing me right now. Uh, player profile. Oh, wait, I took a screenshot. Nope.
1: Was it official four five five? Was it official four five five? I know it's four five official something. four
0: five five. Okay. Yeah. So six two two twenty-five, four, five, five. Eighty-six percentile speed score is still higher than basically every single wide receiver there. It was number six among thirty-two. And you basically name any of your favorite wide receivers at the combine outside of Christian Watson. And Traylon Burks's skill or speed score was higher. Than all of those dudes. We're talking about Garrett Wilson. We're talking about Chris fucking four two six. Get the fuck out of here with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, all of that man. Traylon Burks was better than that. And like again, his calling card, in my opinion, is that yeah, the the yak ability combined with the size. It's AJ Brown, same speed score, same fucking. They're they're the same player basically, man. So it's like I don't understand how anyone could have a negative thing to say about Traylon Burks outside of you not being able to realize that what you were saying pre combine was just ridiculous to begin with.
1: Th- and that's what it boils down to. The, the pre combine. listen, I contributed to some of the mythological uh, feeling so it, around so it How can
0: you not? It was fun.
1: Well, that and, I mean, I mean there is, it's going to be interesting, Nick, to see how this evolves over the next five years, because I truly think the new wave of sort of speed scouting is GPS tracking. And there are a lot of software companies out there. Uh, shout out to my frat brother, Corey, and RA Analytics. Like they've he put out a tweet today and it says data suggests no correlation between the forty yard dash and play speed miles per hour for many reasons. Here's an example: both Jordan Howard and Ted Ginn Jr. reached a max speed of 22 miles an hour, even though Jordan Howard ran a 4.59 at the combine and Ted Ginn ran a 4.28. Don't overemphasize forty time. I am going to I I am waiting for the day when everything is just GPS tracking because Traylon Burks. On-field, GPS data showed him hitting 22 miles per hour in-game. Like, th- 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 so many people look at the 40. There it is right there. There it is. There's Jordan Howard right there with Ted Ginn Jr., miles per hour. And you line those two up in a 40, and Ted Ginn is laughing him twice, right? <laughs> Once we get to this point, I think we'll be able to really – I don't give a shit how fast you are. It, it's a piece of information. The 40 is a piece of information. Let me tell you, a lot of the 40-yard dash is technique. You get out and there's one false step, one stumble. You get out of your drive phase a step or two early. You're running a slower 40 time. Put the pads on. Let me see how fast you're moving with the ball in your hands. Um, You know, and and like you said, back to your original Traylon Burks, uh, you know, what you were talking about, 86 percentile speed score. I'll take that as somebody who dominated in the SEC with atrocious quarterback play for three seasons. I mean, our fault for thinking he was going to run a four one. That's 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 your fucking bad, my bad. But at uh, at at two hundred twenty five pounds, four five five is more than enough speed, bro.
0: Yeah, dude. This this class is it was so interesting from a speed perspective because it, honestly, it was similar to to last year, right where. Uh everybody was running like four ones at their fucking pro days, except this year it's kind of legit. You know, you remember last year there, where there would be yeah. like like there would be like a tight end who would go over to like, his like his high school football field and have one of his homies like film him running the 40 and then pretend like that was an official time or some shit? And like Twitter was eating that up. The times last year were just out of control, and it kind of like translated over this year, but they're actually official. Like you have uh what was it a stat I read today that let me see? There were eight receivers that broke 4-4 this year, which was tied for the most in a year since 2006. So it was like, man, you have some top-end talent, and then you're putting a bunch of speed behind them where it's like, what do we got? Chris Alave, Uh, we still got, player profile, you're killing me here. You still got the high school workouts on there. Whatever it was, Um, Chris Alave and Garrett Wilson, both running, I believe, under four fours. Yeah, it was, it
1: was both sub-4-4, both sub-4-4. Man, you could have they could have both ran like
0: mid four fours, four sevens or something. I still would have been like, dude, I love both of those guys. Uh Wilson seems like a guy who definitely has a little bit more upside just based on like the the skill set that he brings, but my take on Chris Alave for a while was always just like he's very Tyler Locketty, man. Where like you probably mm. shouldn't have him as your wide receiver one in an offense. Like your offense shouldn't run through him, but it can if you need it to. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a very skilled separator can make a lot of plays downfield, obviously fast as shit. Um, so he's a fun player. Garrett Wilson obviously has a lot more upside, and now pairing the speed with like the ball control and all the other fucking things that he does really well. It's interesting, man. This Ohio State group is just churning fucking wide receivers out. Um, what, what do you think about these wide receivers coming out of the Buckeye man, Nation?
1: You, um, you're right. I mean, they keep and we didn't even mention Jamison Williams, who was there, who had to transfer to go to Alabama. And he's probably going to be a first round pick in the NFL draft as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrett Wilson, he shocked me, man. I, I didn't think he was sub four four speed. I mean, I was hammering the overs at four four one. I'm like yeah. over four four four, over. Uh that just in again, in my process, it didn't move anything, but there was definitely an additional box check next to Garrett Wilson's name. And I think that is really going to put him in that conversation to be the first wide receiver off the board in the NFL draft, man. I mean, he's incredible. Chris Olave, I think you hit the nail on the fucking head with Olave. He's going to be a day one starter in the NFL, and he's probably not going to be the guy. Like he's going the offense is probably never going to run through Chris Olave. I think he's going to be a really good wide receiver too for an NFL team, and he'll give you some of those big blow up weeks in fantasy, but I don't think he's the type of player that the offense is going to run through him. I mean, it didn't run through him at Ohio State. It ran through Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson uh, two years in a row. I like the player. These wide receivers are good, man. We didn't talk about George Pickens. The fact that he ran 4-4, good for George Pickens, right? Another green box check. Dehan, Jahan Dotson, Deontay Johnson 2.0, good for him. Sky Moore looked good. Yep. Um, Jalen Tolbert. I mean, this, this, this wide receiver class, man, is, is really good. I, I need to ask you because I learned my lesson, Nick. I, OGQ has learned his lesson. And I, for me personally, bro, I'm staying away from these five foot eight, five foot seven wide receivers. I just can't I got burned. Rondell Moore burned me trying to find those guys. I love Calvin Austin. It's hard to say he, how can you walk away from yesterday? If we're just talking the combine, he probably was one of the more impressive players at the combine yesterday, but man, 170 pounds, five foot seven. I just I, I i don't know him, Wandell Robinson. How are you feeling about those that archetype of wide receivers for fantasy?
0: Yeah, I, I hate that shit too. I think uh I think one thing that gets really overlooked, and I'm I'm probably with you in that I'm fading those types of guys in rookie drafts, unless they're dropping to like the third, fourth right, round, whatever. Right. There's one thing that I think is not really talked about enough and if if you go to one of these players' profiles right like Rondell Moore in particular one glaring red flag people like to talk about the breakout age and the target share and the dominator rating that little like yards per reception box is really important in my opinion because what happens is you have these dudes who are wildly athletic playing at schools where they're clearly far and away the best athlete on their football program. So naturally what's going to happen is that offense is going to funnel through them. Right. And that yards per reception number is obviously there's a million pieces of contextual information that you could throw to paint it however you want. But realistically when you have guys that are like that and their yards per reception is like 11.5 and it's in like the fifth percentile. What that tells me is like, yeah, he might've broke out early and had a huge target share, but it's probably because he's just getting a lot of, is drawn up for him and if his yards perception number is not 15 16 17 that means he's doing less with the actual targets and volume that he's getting and I think that happens with a lot of these smaller players they tend to be the most athletic players on the field so in college you can rip off you know big production when you're the most athletic player at like Purdue or the most athletic player at any of these like small school colleges that don't you know have these other tier type players so I think like one big Red flag for me is those yards per reception. Like, what are you doing each time you touch the ball? Not so much just volume. Like, a lot of these players are going to get pure volume because they're so fucking athletic, and you don't have a lot of other options on those teams. So I'm probably staying away from that smaller type of figure um, because of that, because of those things.
1: Yeah, I just looked up Rondell Moore's final season, yards per reception, 7.7. I mean, and I get it. I get it. it. Was only He only played three or four games. I get it. He got hurt. But, I mean, it never – oh, man, it just wasn't good, man. I mean, in his best season, 11.3 yards per reception, and 822 of those yards were after the catch. Like, just all of it was just yak. And you can't out yak the NFL. Like, as good as you are, those guys are better. So – so it tells it's, like, yeah,
0: it's like college. He was getting all these screen passes behind the line of scrimmage. So it's like if they're not going to do that for him in the NFL, you're putting a spot where like he's not going to win all the time downfield. And he's not going to they're not going to play him as an X receiver. You know?
1: Well, shit, they tried to do it in Arizona and he didn't work like he yeah. couldn't out yak. You're not out yakking Micah Parsons and and all those guys, you know, Aaron Donald, all those cats, man. But, uh, you know, Calvin Austin looks good. Probably going to get good draft capital. Fucking Tutu Atwell got drafted in the second round. I think Calvin Austin is a hell of a lot better player than him. But for fantasy, man, a lot of people are asking, what do you do with Calvin Austin? I don't touch him in the first or second round. And if he falls and he's a value there in the third or fourth, cool. Um, But just wanted to get your thoughts on some of those smaller wide receivers.
0: Yeah, Calvin Austin's a tough one, though, just because there's so many people that I respect's opinion really love this dude. And then he came in here – and blew off the combine. And now it's like, fuck, he's going to get early capital. I'm with you, though. He's a guy that I'm not going out of my way to draft. If he falls to me at value, great. Like, I have no problem right. clicking the draft button on him, but he's not someone that I'm probably targeting. I do want to circle back because you brought up an interesting name. Jameson Williams, I kind of feel like he was a loser at this combine because I think most teams probably looked at him as, like, the the crown jewel of this class in terms of pure speed. And now you got yeah. a lot of these dudes showing up. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave's, and Calvin Austin's and like Christian Watson's that are just as fast, if not just a little bit less fast. So it like if Jameson Williams was in that conversation for like overall wide receiver one in the NFL draft, I think this makes it a lot tougher for him with the injury, with having to transfer out, not producing in his first couple of years in college. Like you have one year of production while you're a little bit older. It's like I think it makes it a, I think he's low key a loser of, of the combine. You think so?
1: I did not think about it from that perspective because when you first said it, I was like, no, there's no way he's a loser. But his calling card was how fast he was, right? Like he was head and shoulders, probably supposed to be the fastest, if not one of the fastest wide receivers there. But the fact that we saw 13 fucking wide receivers crack (laughs) sub four, four, right? It's kind of like, well, uh, what else do I want? Like, do I want, if Garrett Wilson is a 4 3 guy and Jamison Williams is a 4 3 guy, Garrett Wilson's knees are fine. He doesn't have a torn ACL. I know Garrett Wilson's going to be on the field in August. Why take Jamo at 15 when I can get Garrett? I, I had not thought about it from that angle. I think you're right. But I also think where we can become winners. Is if if Jamison Williams falls, and let's play the game that we do every fucking year and put somebody in Buffalo or Kansas City, but if he lands, in, lands with Josh Allen at tw- wherever Buffalo picks, late 20s, I, I think he's going to be a value in rookie drafts because you're probably not going to get any production from him first half of the season. But sign me up for Josh Allen to Jamison Williams bombs. Like, sign me up for that, right, later in rookie drafts. But I think you're right, and I had not thought about it from that angle. That's a good point, Nick.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds fun as shit, having J-Mo with a quarterback that just slings a thing, man. He he feels like he's – uh, the last, like, four years in a row, we've had similar rookie drafts in that, like, you have your prize picks at the beginning of the drafts. It's the running backs, probably one or two elite wide receivers, the quarterbacks. And then from, like, the 110 to the 203, it's that mix of, like, really solid value wide receivers where you're like, okay, I didn't get – one of the elite guys in the class but like I got a guy that's gonna help solidify my roster and has some upside as a wide receiver and it's you know like the T Higgins is the Michael Pittman's, like the guys that just keep falling into that range where you have no choice but to draft them but you're not upset about it we're gonna have a lot of guys that this year in that in that range it's like the Chris Alave's the Jameson Williams is the Jahan Dotson's where I think he just falls into that range where he might have a little bit more upside than those guys but like it's still a pick that you're happy to make, you know, and it's going to be one of those picks that's just a great value, and you're not and you're not pissed about it, you know.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: All right, uh, tight ends another kind of like QB ish uh, NFL combine performance where I don't think my top four rookie tight ends, and I'm going to be honest, I haven't really watched tape outside of these four guys, but we have Trey McBride, uh, Widemeyer, Isaiah Likely, and Jeremy Rucker. None of those guys ran the 40, so we didn't yeah. get actual like. 40 times slash speed scores. I mean, they weighed in and had some height stuff and whatever, um, but it's like whatever. Isaiah likely did a few of the combine testing. I think he did like the vertical jump, and he was number one in that, and then he did the 22nd shuttle, and he was like one of the dead last in that or second to last in that shit. So it wasn't a lot to like take away from it. Are there any guys that, uh, that did perform at the combine that you've, you know, been talking about or had on your radar for a while or someone – that we should be looking out for at the end of rookie drafts because I don't really know this class that well.
1: Yeah, Greg Dolchich, the tight end out of UCLA, he looked good. I think he initially ran like four six one. Sorry if you hear a vacuum cleaner. The cleaning people are—they're probably going to bust in here in a minute and start vacuuming. But um, Greg Dolchich out of UCLA, he clocked like a four six, but then it got bumped up to four seven one. I like him. I think he's a good player. Like, here's my thing with tight end. I don't spend a lot of fucking time trying to evaluate tight ends, right? Like, are you athletic? Do you do you hit a good landing spot where you get an opportunity to play at some point? If you do, cool, I'll take you. Right. If you're a first round tight end, I'll take the shot. Um, I, I think Greg Dolchich, take a look at him, Nick. I think you'll like him. A lot of a lot of people were talking about Jelani Woods, the six foot seven, 260-pound dude who dropped a four-six-one. one uh, I'll be honest, I, even being a college guy, I didn't know much about him. Here's my thing: he's athletic, he's big. If he gets some draft capital, he, he hits a good landing spot. Like, just take a shot on these guys, right? Because even the worst fucking tight end prospect gets an opportunity at some point. But not a ton um, out of the tight end class. Grant Calcaterra, Rucker didn't do anything. Kohler's big and slow. Um, I I just want the athletic guys at tight end. Give me somebody that's athletic, that lands on a good spot and gets decent draft capital.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how I look at it, too. I'm going to let the NFL kind of decide what I want to do with the – The tight ends. It feels like there's literally nothing predictive when it goes to like tight ends in fantasy. It's just like, you know, every tight end that ends up succeeding is athletic. But there's also like out of 100 athletic tight ends, still only like six of them end up succeeding. So it's like it's nice that we have like a little bit of a baseline of where to look. But you're looking in, you know, it's a fucking 90 degree angle everywhere around. So it's not, you know, it's not easy to fucking.
1: None, none, None of these guys are even close. Like, in my opinion, none of these guys are even close. I'm not even going to say Kyle Pitts because that's, like, no-brainer, right? I don't think any of these guys are even close to Pat Fryermuth from last year. You know what I'm in, saying? So In
0: any of – in the entire class?
1: In, the, in 2022. None – I would take Pat Fryermuth over every single one of these tight ends 10 out of 10 times. It's not even close. If you got somebody that has a hard-on for Weidermeyer or Trey McBride and somehow they're drunk or high enough to give you uh, uh, Pat Fryermuth for for the pick that would be that guy – do that in a heartbeat he'd be the clear-cut tight end one and it be he'd be in a tier of his own inside this tight. this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces plus 24 7 customer support his venue never misses a beat Yeah, it's
0: an ugly class all around for tight ends. So, again, just let NFL draft capital kind of dictate what you want to do there. We'll learn more of the process as, like, pro days come around. A lot of the guys who did not run at the combine have their reasons, and some of them are injuries. Some of them probably just feel like they're going to test better when the actual pro day comes around. Uh, I think we covered most of what we got. Um, (laughs) Did Ray just call his wife? (laughs) (laughs)
1: No, no, we can't, we can't, we can't wrap up yet, Nick. We still got some more. We still got, we got a couple of players we need to talk about that, that performed yesterday. I mean, I, I don't know your schedule. I mean, you're the one with the, new I'm, I'm good. I am I'm, mean,
0: I'm good. I just, I'm in a new environment, you know? So as soon as things start going off track, I'm, I'm starting to panic <laughs> a little bit. So like, let's, uh, Oh, you know what? Actually Bo Melton, this dude just brought him yep. up. I don't know if you know much about Bo Melton. I'm sure you probably do, but he's, he's a Rutgers guy, I believe. Right.
1: Yep, and, yep.
0: uh, I saw right before we came on, I think Brett Coleman, who I was talking about before, said something about uh, Bo Melton just absolutely blowing away the combine. And I think I did not get a good screenshot of it. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to pull it up from player profile. He's a smaller guy that he kind of said reminded him of Brandon Cooks a little bit. And that little Twitter clip he put up made him look fast as shit. Ran a 434, 511, 190. I mean, damn.
1: He's he's one of the guys that I was excited to see because he was he was killing cats at the senior bowl, like uh, absolutely killing defensive backs off the line of scrimmage. Um, There's some routes out there that Jim Nagy put out there. And I really didn't know. I mean, I I, I watch a lot of college, but I ain't watching Rutgers. On I mean, the you're not watching I got, Rutgers. You know, yeah, like, I got other shit to do. But <laughs> when I saw him at the senior bowl, like, yes, he kind of. Gives off Brandon Cook vibes. He's got a nice mustache on him. You know what I mean? You got to have a lot of confidence. <laughs> he kind of looks like adults. Adrian
0: Peterson with uh Kind of looks mustache.
1: like AP. Yeah, kind of looks like AP. But look at that. 40-yard dash, speed score, burst score. Listen, Nick, he, he's one of those guys, day three guy. Here's my process, man. Here's Here's just how I do it. When I'm thinking about cats that you're going to take later in rookie drafts, there's some, something's gonna be off with the profile. That's why they're gonna be third, fourth round rookie picks. That's why they're day three picks in the NFL draft. There's something not there. The production profile isn't there. They're a fucking fifth-year senior, six year. I don't care about any of that. When I'm looking in the third and fourth rounds, all I'm looking at, does this cat have this skill set where if he's given an opportunity, can that skill set translate? And Bo Melton, separation off the line of scrimmage, check. Separation inside the route phase, check. Speed check like I I just care about certain attributes and he's one player that I mean shit you've been doing rookie mocks is anybody picking Bo Melton in in four rounds of a rookie mock so I'm not telling you to go run out there and spend a second round pick on this kid but if you're sitting there in the fourth round and it's between Bo Melton and some podunk player that wasn't even invited to the damn combine like you could go you can do a lot worse than Bo Melton I think he's he has done nothing but help himself from the senior bowl to the combine, and he's probably going to do stuff at pro day. Just keep, keep Bo melting on your radar. And if you got people like Brett Coleman talking about him, um, then he's probably, he's just as tapped in as anybody, man. So I like Bo.
0: Yeah. Boza, uh, an exciting little, uh exciting little player. I, uh I, I don't think I've heard anything about him prior to like literally one hour before we started filming. My only, <laughs> my only concern would be his, uh, you know, his, his decision-making because if you uh actively choose to go to, School in in New yeah. Brunswick, I think you know there, there's got to be a, a screw a little bit loose in your head. So he, he's an exciting player to keep a keep an eye on. One guy that's you know been pretty popular amongst like Dynasty Twitter that absolutely like shot up his stock relative to the combine. <laughs> don't even worry about it, bro. They know I'm about to announce some Alex alec Pierce right now. All right, Alex Pierce to Cincinnati. Yes, so he comes in. I, I don't think any of this was that surprising, but maybe to the level of athleticism that he showed. It was, you know, it was a little surprising, but 6'3", 211 pounds. So we're talking about a big fucking dude. He's only 21 years old right now. Runs a four four one. puts him in the 95th percentile. Burst score is there. Catch radius is there. The agility is a little bit questionable. I was a little bit surprised to see the low agility score because I think when I watched the film – I was like, yo, he gets off the line pretty quickly. I think maybe some of his routes are a little bit more like curved and he's not as like nuanced in terms of a route runner. But like, who the fuck am I to start saying buzzwords like that and shit? So we'll let the, you know, the combine numbers kind of speak for themselves. But like everything I watch, I mean, even Desmond Ritter looked fucking good throwing him the ball. That's how I knew Alec Pierce is a a good player, man. So he's running routes from the slot. He's in line. He's producing. Alec Pierce is a big time target playing all over the field putting up numbers and now he comes out and tests like this to me. He seemed, uh, my, my sort of player comp, maybe not as like fast twitchy, but like Devontae Parker, he's a guy who gets downfield and make big plays, like high points, the ball really well, uh, will be a possession receiver at the next level. But, but I, uh, I think Alec Pierce was a huge winner yesterday.
1: I, I, that's a good one, man. That's a good call. And he started off the senior bowl really well, man. In day one, one on ones, he was winning, um, beating up some of the good corners there. And then like he left. Like, I don't know if he got hurt. I don't I don't know what happened, but he didn't finish out the week in Mobile. So everybody was a little disappointed by that. So I really didn't know what to expect. I didn't know. I don't know what. Maybe he got good feedback. Maybe he got good intel and just dipped off. I mean, we maybe saw he that heard a couple Desmond years ago. Ritter
0: was showing up, and he was like, "I don't, uh, want, uh, to I get don't
1: to. want to. I, I don't want to. I've, I've done. I've, uh, he's ruined me for four years <laughs> yeah. now." Um, I think that, it, it, like, like, let's be real here, man. I think the the bias that people are gonna have to get over with Alec Pierce is he's a white receiver. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it, it, and and we we do that. We do this. Slade Bolden. I can just say Slade Bolden name, and everybody's gonna say Wes Walker, um Uh Julian Edelman type comps. Pierce is legit. I saw him at the senior bowl lined up on the outside. He's not some slot. He's not some he's a legit X wide receiver at that size and that and and that type of speed. I think he's got the ability to play outside. Do I think he's a high-end prospect? Nah, man. I, I don't. But he's got the athleticism where, if given the opportunity, draft capital is going to be big for him, man. If he gets the draft capital, You can't fade him. You can't fade that speed. That's what you're taking a shot on is is the skill set, man. And he did look good on film. I'm with you. I think he – I don't think he's as twitchy as maybe the agility score show. Mm -hmm. But when given the opportunity, he was really good. He's good in contested catch situations. And then with that type of speed, he's got the ability to pull away from defensive backs. I like him, man. I'm a lot more in on Pierce after seeing him at the Senior Bowl and then him checking more boxes – at the combine it's going to be let's see him at the pro day because ritter's going to throw he's going to catch passes from ritter and let's see man he might be one of them sneaky cats to get like day three day two draft capital like late third round he gets taken by a squad he's going to get a shot to produce so i like the kid man and he's young he's young give me that young dude man
0: yeah alec pierce big winner yesterday i think we should talk about david bell a little bit because Uh, yeah yep uh, the whole the whole like process of of uh just like analyzing rookies is so tiring when you like go on Twitter because it feels like people make a take and then there's 17 different milestones where they feel like they either won or lost. It's literally like, I like David Bell. Oh, he, he comes in at 6'1, 215. I'm a winner. He tests out poorly. I'm a loser. NFL draft capital, second round. I'm a winner. He's not starting the first week. I'm. A, it's like fucking so exhausting with this shit. David Bell, like, He's gotten a lot of buzz in the dynasty community. I know he's probably big in like Debbie and stuff because he broke out very, very early. So, the one thing, like, I watched David Bell and my comp for him, I didn't realize David Bell was this big, but I saw more Sterling Shepard than I saw like a lot of other players. David Bell's a yes. guy who creates separation, he's a good route runner. He's probably got like that spectacular catch trait that like Madden yep. would give a player. That's, that's the way I look at him. So Shepard with a little more uh, spectacular catch trait. So I think he's like a very, very good role player at the next level. And again, the uh, one of the concerns I would have with David Bell going to a school like Purdue, again, it's like you look at that yards per reception number and it's low, man, you're going to feed a guy like David Bell, a lot of manufactured plays. And you're going to let him do things with the ball in his hand because he's the best player on the fucking field. And when that, that number's low, it tells me, again, it might be a little bit more of a volume thing. That could be a breakout age thing, a dominator rating thing. Like, that's where that volume kind of comes from. So, David Bell, I'm not declaring myself a winner or fucking loser here, but I've always been on the train of, like, I'm not taking him in the first round. He's probably going to be, like, a 205-type player, 206-type player to me, who I think he's going to be a solid role player at the next level. But, like, his testing yesterday was, you know – yeah it, it looks like what Josh Jacobs's fucking page looked like, man where it's like you di- you weren't sure you're like oh they didn't update it yet. it's like oh, they did it's just only like one centimeter above like the actual
1: line listen man i I, I talked all that shit earlier about combine not influencing rankings yeah. here's 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 what I say it's not the event that makes you ch- it, the the events at the combine shouldn't have you just wholesale adjusting the ranks the event itself but it's the effect of the event, right? It's, it's what's going to happen because of the combine and what's going to happen. David Bell's going to, wherever he was projected to be drafted, he's going to be drafted lower than that because he did look bad. And I don't know if you saw his 40, it looked like he was fighting to run, man. (laughs) It just, it looked like he was fighting to run. And what I'll say is that's not David Bell's game. That never was his game, and you're absolutely right. I, I looked at where I graded him out with his catch radius body control, one of the tops in the class, because his catch radius is insane. He can make – he can contort his body to make all kind of fantastic grabs. He's, he's he's a pretty good separator in all three phases of a route, but you could watch one Purdue game and see that this dude wasn't going to run fast. Like, he's not a blazer. He's going to have to win with technique. He's going to have to win with precision um it it just in his margin for error for fantasy success is a lot smaller than some other players who can win you know in multiple quadrants of the field I think David Bell was a loser um I think he was a loser and here's the thing as much as is all that breakout early age breakout all that shit all of that sounds good man but if he gets drafted on day three he's approaching Tyler Johnson levels of like, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Right. This Debbie darling early breakout, early production. He produced with Rondell Moore, but he fell to day three in the NFL draft. He's not an exceptional athlete. Just the likelihood of him hitting as much as we love day. It doesn't matter what we fucking like. If the NFL says, I don't like him, Right. The chances of them uh, producing and then being able to sustain that production. It's just a lot lower. Like, Think about this shit, Nick. Think about this. Jalen Rager, one of the most colossal busts there was. Nikhil Harry, one of the most colossal busts that have ever happened. These dudes are still on the field. Like, they're still – because they were first-round picks, they're still on the damn field. We're sitting here questioning if Amon Ross St. Brown is still going to get targets moving forward next year. He was a fourth-round pick, and he balled the hell out this year. So if David Bell is drafted on day three – uh, the chances of him being fantasy relevant are just reduced significantly, man.
0: Yeah, and that that's like, one, going back to what you just said about Amon Ross St. Brown, had like Nikhil Harry put up the rookie season that Amon Ross St. Brown did, you wouldn't, like, you would have to, he'd be in like Jamar Chase type level of having to trade shit away to get him. Um, So it's a great point when it comes to draft capital, David Bell is like the poster child. This was my, this was the take I put out on film like a month or a month and a half ago. When I first started talking about it, I was like, David Bell is a guy who's going to fall throughout the process. He is a guy that people are going to love because they don't actually have to like make a take on him. All they have to say is early breakout age, college dominator rating, and don't have to do anything in terms of like the process and the work behind him because everybody else is just going to fall in love with him because of those arbitrary numbers. And then you could always fall back on it and be like, Oh, well those numbers said that he was going to be a good player. So it's not my fault. And everyone else said the same thing. And I was just watching him. I was just like, I, I like him. Like he's definitely gonna be a good role player, but I have a, a hard time imagining that he's like the high. Everyone wants, you know, you want a second round rookie pick to be a top five wide receiver. The upside for him, in my opinion, just ain't fucking there. And you've been saying it for a while that like the NFL draft community is not, a, not as high on David Bell, as people in dynasty and rookie yep. and shit like that. And that's just going to yep. become a problem for the point that you just fucking made about it doesn't matter what we want to do. It doesn't matter who we want on the fucking field. If the NFL doesn't put him on the field, then he ain't in our fantasy
1: lineups. Nick, Nick, we got some breaking news here in the comments, man. I've been waiting for this shit all oh. morning. I've been waiting for this. This is not good. This is not good. Nick.
0: Ooh, this is good. <sighs> this is good for us. We had, we had a little back and forth on Kyron Williams. Um, Kyron Williams weighing in at 194 is a problem in the exact argument that you just made. It doesn't matter what we like.
1: Yeah. An NFL yeah.
0: team is not going to give Kyron wow. Williams a three down workload because he's 194. Dude. And you hear so many like Austin Eckler comparisons to Kyron. And the point I would make to that. Austin Eckler is not getting a three down workload unless Melvin Gordon holds out. We might have never seen Eckler's workload if Melvin Gordon didn't hold out and the Chargers were forced to put him on the fucking field, man. That's why I can't, like, those kind of comps once in a lifetime and every situational part of that fucking thing needs to, uh, needs to, like, hit correctly. There you go, right? Ray, Ray, uh, wave to your wife, man. She deserves it.
1: <laughs> no, you're spot on with the, with, with, okay, so. Here's my take on this this Eckler. Oh shit, this Kyron Williams thing. Yeah. I'm I'm seeing people say, oh, not bad, not bad. I just did a quick Twitter search. Here's why I think it is bad. Because he probably ate like crazy for the past two months to just get up to 194. You know what I'm saying? Like think he didn't just he knew this was gonna be a concern, right? He knew going into the combine, I need to weigh heavy. So he's probably done everything in his power to put on weight and not bad weight because he still wants to run fast. But if he did everything in his power to get up to 194 to measure, newsflash, whatever these guys weigh in at today, this is not what they play at. Most NFL – most players, college NFL, you lose 10 to 7 pounds through training camp going into season. So if you're talking about – um. A running back that's going to be fed the ball at 5'9, 187, 188. And and I know people are gonna to go to the most extreme. I see Jamal Charles and, and all of this. Like these are those are once-in-a-lifetime type guys, right? Once in a once in a decade. This isn't good for Kyron Williams. This is not 194 is not good. 5'9, 194. You're looking at probably a specialist, like a, a third down kind of specialist. Uh, I don't know. This isn't good. I was really hoping he'd hit 200, 205, Nick. Um, not good. Look at that. Look yeah. At that's
0: that. that's a, that's a tough scene for, uh, for Kyron Williams. I, th- I mean, listen, I still think he's a good enough player where if forced into the role, like he, I, my comp for him, it's probably a lazy comp, but like I see a lot of Geo, man. He's just like very bouncy and he's yeah. very good. I think if Geo was given a chance to be a fucking three-down workhorse, like he would have been great in fantasy. He just never got the chance, and that might be the position. You know, if things break right and a team wants to give Kyron uh, some run, maybe he, he does his thing. But, yeah, that's a that's a tough scene right now. Let's yeah, see. Um,
1: tough scene.
0: I'm out and- on Kyron, Rashad White, Damian Pearson, Bam Knight. The tar- Oh, you're saying those three are the targets now. Dude, the uh fuck man. Combine day is so fun for running backs, bro.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh Ely five eight, one eighty-nine woof. Um Ely always
0: felt like uh like a like a discount um Kyron Williams. Also yeah, like and bouncy he, and just like
1: yeah, he he's discount and smaller. James Cook, 5'11", 199. It's good for Cook. It's I'm not the biggest Cook fan, but that's good for him. I don't know. You don't love him either? Yeah. No, nah, I just my, didn't.
0: I, I don't know. He's he's fun in the passing game, but like, come on, bro. Like, what is that going to get us?
1: Well, since we're here, you know, the people have been screaming for BDGE, Ray GQ, little old, little old, old fashioned fucking duel over Isaiah Spiller. The pe- We cannot mm. not talk Spiller when I come, when I come hang out with the big dogs. We can't not not talk Spiller, man. So Sp- Spiller and Hall both weighed in. They're identical, the same size. They're both Mm -hmm. six foot 217 on the dot. I think uh, Hall was like 5'11 and fucking seven eighths, and Spiller was six foot and two. They're the same damn size, both 217. Why do y'all hate Spiller so much, man? Why does the big dog community hate Isaiah Spiller? Every morning I do my fucking show, every morning somebody says, BDGE has him as RB9. What do you think? Noah hates him. Me and Noah. And here's the thing. People think me and Noah don't like. Dude, I DM with Noah all the time. I was like, people think they're enemies, bro. Like, He's like, I I don't get it. Why does BDG hate Spiller?
0: No, so my my thing, I never hated Spiller. I just, when I was watching, I watched like Brees Hall and then Spiller. And I was like, I like Brees Hall's my RB1. When I watched Spiller, I was like, I don't know if he's a, I don't know if I believe he's a great, runner like a pure runner I don't think them two are very close to each other um so that was like my take I was like I see a little bit of like Miles Sanders where I think he gets a little bit too bouncy sometimes when he's running the ball or whatever um and that was like it I wasn't like I think that Spiller's a bad player and then Noah has kind of you know ran his numbers and shit and he came away with like Spiller's just a very very average runner so it kind of like backed up what I had as a take to begin with. And then we were like, yo, let's just run with that. And you know, our entire brand kind of uh, is going to rely on whether or not Isaiah Spiller hits. Now my, my whole thing with Spiller is like my opinion of him as a runner can become irrelevant really quickly because the other aspects of his game can easily see him back into a really, really useful fantasy role. I think he can have a top 10 fantasy season, I would be very surprised if he did it on the back of rushing efficiency. Like, he's really big. So that could mean, in a good offense, 15 goal line carries on the year. He's great on third downs. He can catch catch passes. So that could mean 50 to 60 passes caught in a year. My concern is that, like, if you're a poor runner, if you're as poor as we think he is, that usually tends to play itself out over the long run. One of the things that he has, like, great going for him is the fact that he's so young, like 21 years old. That automatically puts him in a tier, like, all else equal. Don't look at, the, at athletics. Don't look at whether or not this guy's going to hit at, at the next level. If he does hit, he's got basically like two to three extra years on every single other player in this draft. Because we have a, this this whole draft class is so interesting because it's like most of the time we're picking at like guys that are 5'9, 200 and trying to be like, well, he's a good pass catcher. He has elite speed. Let me like talk myself into shit. This year is a bunch of fucking fat boys out here, like 215, 220. <laughs> and like we don't really know what they do well. Um, so it's a lot of guys I think can back themselves into roles that are really, really dominant for fantasy. My take with Spiller is just like, I don't think he's that great of a runner, and I think that tends to play itself out over the long run
1: that's that's fair. I, I'm here's the thing, man. So in my fucking, I've, I've got this thing now, Nick, where I've got a spreadsheet that just has some fucking weighted categories. And I keep calling it my model. Like I feel so official. I'm just like my model, my process, my right? My
0: Project algorithm yeah. model. Yeah. My <laughs>
1: algorithm, just optional completeness. I have Spiller at a 75.28 and Brees Hall at 75.15. So they're literally the same. The only reason Brees Hall is underneath Spiller, like and if I change one number in here, is the receiving versatility? I just have Isaiah Spiller higher in how they were used in the receiving game because for me, I want those like as much as I love Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, the reason why they're valued where they are is because they don't ever fucking catch passes, man. They're not utilizing the receiving game, and that's not to say that Brees Hall can't do it because I think he can. But when I'm doing my film grades, I'm only looking at the all 22. I'm I'm not factoring any fucking thing in about except what I'm seeing on film and what I saw. Is Texas A&M actually deploy Isaiah Spiller as a pass-catching weapon? I've got Brees Hall higher in contact balance, in uh, rushing agility, power, breaking tackles, all speed. Everything is higher on on Brees Hall. It's not a coincidence Isaiah Spiller's not running at the combine because he's probably a high four-five, mid-range four-six kind of guy. Which I say this, I don't care. That's what Javonta Williams ran. Javonta Williams was a four-six kind of guy. The only reason I have Spiller higher, and I believe he is a good running back. Um, you don't do what you did. You don't go over a 1,000 yards in the SEC three straight seasons and not be good. Like, that's just – he's going to be the youngest – I think the youngest player in the NFL, not just running back. I think he's going to be one of the youngest players in the NFL his rookie season. I know for sure he's going to be one of the youngest running backs. I, I think he's the type of running back that an NFL offensive staff, they'll get him and be like, man, I can mold this young man – into, like, a true three-down weapon. And we'll see if that happens. And ultimately, the NFL is going to fucking tell us, right? If Brees Hall is drafted in round two and Isaiah Spiller falls to the fourth, I'm out. Like, I'm out. It it gets adjusted, right? And I do have to give you some credit, man. Shout out to you. I have not publicly done this. You were so right on Ramondre Stevenson. I was wrong. I was wrong. I saw the light early in preseason. (laughs) I saw the light, and I pivoted. But you called it with uh, Ramondre. I just got to give you public credit where credit is due. You were on Stevenson the entire time, even after I uh, shit-canned it. Uh, He's a slug. He's slow. We went back and forth over this one. You nailed the Ramondre Stevenson pick, man. He's a good player. And I respect your Brees Hall uh, stance and position. We'll see how that plays out. I'll just say this. A lot of people said the same thing about David Montgomery. And he's about to get a fucking contract from the Bears to re up and run it back with him. So we know volume is king at running back. Now Spiller's got to hold the damn ball. Eight fumbles with those little hands is not ideal. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. I think Kyron being smaller helps Spiller because at least he's got that requisite size. Um, it's just this is unfortunate. I was waiting for Kyron, and this is not good, man. What do
0: you what do you think they go? Just like I don't know. There's no, there's no actual fucking information to figure this shit out, but like. NFL draft wise, like actual NFL draft capital, I don't think any of these guys get first round cap, but I could right. see a team, I could see a team like absolutely loving Kenneth Walker, like not, I was going to say for whatever reason, he's obviously a very good running back, but like, yeah, yeah, he seems like someone that NF, the NFL is going to absolutely fall in love with and maybe go like early second round, but like, I have no fucking read on, like, if Isaiah Spiller goes in the fourth round, that would be an absolute like travesty to the fantasy community. You're talking about dudes like Anthony McFarland and shit and like Lamichael P. Ryan were fourth rounders. And you're talking about Isaiah Spiller, who is like this coveted fucking prospect that everyone loves. You have like any read on where these like top three guys draft capital wise are actually going to go?
1: Nope. And a lot of smoke is around the don't be shocked if the first running back off the board is Kenneth Walker. We're sitting here debating Spiller and Hall. A lot of people are saying Kenneth Walker could be the first one off of the board. Um, I'm seeing most of them, Nick, like more mocks, like, you know, that composite mock site. They're like round three running backs, like all of them, like Hall, Spiller, Walker. I've seen, I've seen Walker in round two. I've not seen any of them in round one. I think that'd be a massive mistake to take any of them in round one in the NFL draft. I think it starts day two, like, who's coming off the board second round third round i think that's where majority of the higher end guys in this class come off the board and it's like jay-z like 40 is the new 20 the second round is the new first round for running backs
0: yeah very true um i'm man i'm super excited for the nfl draft this year on that note though with Ramondre, man i'm telling you i think you gotta give kennedy kennedy brooks a second look man i know you say he looks uh, like he's running underwater but i'm telling you dude i i think i think uh i think he deserves a second look this dude. And I also think he's going to run a quicker 40. I was joking about like the, the thing on Twitter when you posted. I don't think he runs like a 4 five forty 40 or anything like that. I think he's similar to a lot of dudes in this class that are like 215 to 225. But if given the runway, have a second speed. They're not necessarily guys who can like change direction and then fucking accelerate quickly. But if given the runway, they'll hit it like him, Kevin Harris, like bigger dudes like that, where if given the runway, like they'll fucking fly by. Kenny Brooks is super fucking elusive. He does not get brought down on the first tackle, man. I I think uh, I think you got to throw a little respect on his fat name.
1: I will, because you were right on Ramondre and because Kennedy Brooks, actually one of the guys I was really high on this year, I thought was going to be a part of his draft class, Eric Gray. I mean, Eric Gray couldn't Literally. beat out Kennedy Brooks. Like, Eric Gray couldn't get on the field over Kennedy Brooks. They're a similar would, type of
0: player, bro. And you were the one who put me on Eric Gray last year or two years ago. Yep, and I yep, watched him, yep. and you had a comp for him. I think it was Kareem Hunt. And I was yep. like, Yo, no, I love how Eric Gray runs. Kennedy Brooks and him remind me of each other, bro. They're like one of those guys that they're not flashy, but, like, you just can't bring them down on the first fucking time. Yeah. And Kenny Brooks came in there as a true freshman, 1,000 yards when competing with Trey Sermon. Uh, sharing it. carries with Kyler Kyler Murray. Yeah, you know all the shit. And then Ramondre yeah. in the next year. He's got to share like all this shit, man. Tyler Algier came in five eleven, two twenty
1: four. 224. We all knew he was a big boy. Ooh. Yeah, we knew he was a big boy, big, big former linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. good for Algier. Damn, he did come in as a true freshman, thousand yards on 119 attempts, averaging 8.9.
0: Dude, so he's got the I I believe he has the career all-time leader in uh in Big 12 yards per carry at like 7.0. And my thing was like the reason I found Kennedy Brooks, the reason he was even on my radar prior to this year is because I was digging so deep to try to contextualize Ramondre Stevenson's fucking career. I was like, yo, why is he not last <laughs> Like last summer? I was like, what are these raw numbers when when I'm watching, he looked like really like a fun player, big, can catch the ball, can do all this shit. And I'm like, oh, well, this kid came in as a true freshman, ran for a thousand yards and beat out Ramondre. Like, he's got to be something. So I remember the name Kennedy Brooks for this year. And when I watched him, I really liked him.
1: Well, who are you looking forward to seeing to today? I know we got to get out of here, but like, who are you looking forward to? I'm seeing everybody talk about Pierce and Algier. We kind of know who who's who's somebody you're looking forward to to seeing today.
0: That's a good question, man. Um, this year in particular, for whatever reason, I've been like really into the film and I've been watching it a lot, and I haven't I haven't really put a lot of numbers on my mind because I don't I don't think there's a lot of dudes in this class who are like really going to be make or break when it comes to speed. Like you said with like Spiller, he's one of the top running backs, and like. I'm, I was going into the combine thinking he was going to run like a four, five, seven, or eight. Right. Like I was not mm-hmm. expecting a four or five. So wasn't yeah. like really excited for it. Um, looking forward to Rashad white for sure. Um, I am looking forward to Kennedy Brooks running his 40. Uh, Damian Pierce is a guy who is really fucking exciting. He's really, really fun on like a per touch basis. Um,
1: Kevin Harris. You want to see some Kevin Harris?
0: So I, I actually don't like Kevin Harris whatsoever. I am. You don't not like
1: not he- You don't like Harris.
0: No. Um, I think Kevin Harris is like legitimately a two down guy that doesn't I I watched the film and I was like bro this feels like Larry Roundtree 2.0 <laughs> I'm
1: just asking what, you, what did you watch? you were watching 2021 film
0: Uh yeah I was on the Dynasty Nerds film room yeah, and whatever they probably yeah. had like four or five games on there and I watched all of yeah. them Yeah and he's one of those guys where, like, my – uh let me see what I had uh, written on my notes, But I remember coming away being like, yo, he just fucking
1: – I saw the Larry Roundtree uh, tweet. I saw the Roundtree tweet. I laughed at that too because I was Yeah, it's like,
0: Kevin far Harris. Far. My first thing on was – uh oh, wait, can't find much. To Love CTE. It's like he's got a magnet on the top of his helmet and the chest plate is on the Defenders. uh It's a negative magnet on the Defenders' Holy chest plate. Um, don't think he has ever tried to make a guy miss. Like, he doesn't have a joystick on his controller. Um okay. He does have some – I did say he has some really good breakaway speed if he gets a runway, but I felt like he needs a big hole. He's not a liability in the passing game, but I don't think he's like a really like plus right. player. Um, for, yeah, for me, I just – I I don't know. I just didn't really see it. And he he reminded me of like a very – very much a two-down thumper who is not any better than like any other option.
1: All right, I'm going to give you a couple of names that I, – I know one of them, you probably have not looked at a a, a second of his tape. And I am not one for – YouTube highlight scouting, but Nick, I'm just I'm telling you, type into YouTube Ty Chandler. Just look up Ty Chandler highlights, and it's like the first highlight package. UNC Ty Chandler. He was at he was a five star recruit. Goes to Tennessee. Eric Gray comes in. Tennessee's a fucking mess because Eric Gray left. Good. Like you just watch it, and you you watch that ACC Ty Chandler highlight package just to get an idea of him, right? And if you I guarantee you're going to walk away from that saying, I need to go look at some actual film. I think he's somebody that could really rise. And actually, Todd McShay, take it for what it's worth. I'm just throwing it out there. He was talking about it at the end of one of his draft podcasts the other day. Um, Todd Chandler, tap into him. And I don't know if you've looked into Bam Knight at all. Um, I know Noah kind of likes Bam Knight. He's got kick return ability. I think he can have that Khalil Herbert type path. Day one, he's the team's kick returner. It's all you need. If you're on the active 53 you got a shot. Check out um, check out Bam Knight. Check out Ty Chandler, and uh, there was another guy I was going to tell you about, but we kind of already um, we already talked about him. Of course, uh, uh fucking what's his name? Div- uh, Pierce out of Florida. I think he's going to look well yeah. today, and maybe Des- Deshaun Corbin, uh, Florida State wow. kid. He was at Texas A and M. Think he's a good back. He played well at the East West Shrine Game. So Corbin, uh, Pierce. But I really, really want you to look up Ty Chandler and tell me what you think.
0: Okay, I'll check out Ty Chandler. I haven't watched him. I haven't watched the the, the last guy you said either. Uh, uh,
1: Corbin, Corbin.
0: Corbin, yeah. Donovan, yeah. Uh, Zonovan, Zonovan, <laughs> Zonovan Knight is such a weird fucking name to have to remember. Zonovan Knight is a dude that I do actually really, really like. He's got like that like uh, phone booth footwork, you know, like his yep. elusiveness, like you can't really get to him. My concern with him is that like, that was the same thing with Devin Singletary coming out. And he's someone where the combine will probably affect how I look at Zonovan Knight. Because if he runs slow... He's what is he a slow, small running back? You know, it's like we don't really want to draft those types of guys. So small running back who's going to look good on film. And I'm like, that's probably a guy I want to pass on. But like his numbers in terms of like per touch, like efficiency, elusiveness rating on like PFF, Sports Info Solution, they all fucking fit the bill. So I do like Zonovan Knight a lot.
1: And these are all fucking day three guys. All right. So, again, I'm not advocating you go out there and take Ty Chandler and Bam Knight in the first, second round. But when I'm looking third, fourth round, I'm just looking at skill set. So Tapa, Noah came in here and chimed in on uh, Ty Chandler as well. I didn't know he was that big, but all right, man. Yeah, just Noah's, check him out, man. Noah, Boy.
0: Dude, Noah watches like literally every running back in the NCAA. It does not matter what school you – he'll be like doing breakdowns on Twitter, on Breakout Finder and shit of um, – of dudes that I, I've i never, ever heard of in my entire life. And he's, like, so into it. I'm like, what's wrong with you, bro?
1: Me too. He, he was talking about some kid from Toledo. I, I, I literally thought he was joking. Like, he's posting pictures... But why his, are you wasting
0: uh, your time doing this yeah yeah
1: what what are you what are you doing Noah you have other things to do go hate on Isaiah spiller some more go laugh because he's not running his 40. go do <laughs> something leave those Toledo running backs alone Noah but yeah Noah said he's built like a car dealership blow-up doll so there you go
0: he did a uh, yeah 15 hours ago noah said his, uh he posted his article on Ty Chandler underneath that oh. in the thread here's another one on Isaiah Pachiccio paccio Pich-
1: I think it's Pacheco from Rutgers. Pacheco. Fucking Rutgers, man.
0: Pacheco there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, that's the type of shit. Like, Isaiah Pacheco? Well, who the fuck is that?
1: I had a small kind of liking of him about two years ago, but I, I'll nothing ever public. Nothing. I, I never put any tapes out. This must be wild
0: know. for you to, to be following the storylines of all these players throughout all of college and just see how, like, the buzz moves up and down like a roller coaster throughout that time. Yeah,
1: it's crazy, man. Like, in my mind... I'm done with 2022, bro. I'm I'm on to 2023 and 2024. I mean, literally, I'm. Uh, it's just it's fun to engage in this conversation. But you you learn, man, and I think that's the cool thing coming on and talking to you. We need to make it more. We need to make this more frequent, man. I really yeah. respect what you're doing. Um, I enjoy this with you, but as as and I'm sure you've seen it, like just the dynasty landscape and how it shifts, right? Like I sit back, I'm watching the combine and I'm taking it in for what it's worth. I'm not overreacting one way or the other like i just i'm learning so much through throughout different content creators and and people like noah and matt kelly and my team of people that i'm focusing on the shit that matters like all this stuff is fun and in reality i know keenan allen ran a four seven anquan bolden ran a four nine like in reality i know it it matters to a certain degree but it's not the end all be all so um it's just we, we got to do this more often man we got to do this more often
0: Dude, I would love to. There's, there's not many people I respect, uh, more in terms of work ethic and the stuff you're putting out and the, you know, the preparation that goes into everything that you're doing, man. And, and, uh, don't worry. I, I hear the, I, I hear your name being thrown around a lot, uh, from, from a respect standpoint. I, I had a little trip out west in Cali and then, uh, Las Vegas. There's the FSGA and, uh, your yep. name was brought up quite a few times and i'm like listen you got yourself a good one out there if you're uh, if yeah, you're in, appreciate in, it, bro. In talks or and works with ray um so keep doing what you're doing obviously you, like i said before short term go hard long term be patient and good things are going to come
1: Yes, sir appreciate it nick for real man
0: All right, we're going to log off uh, for one last question. Uh, Jerome Ford, he just ain't it, so we're going to log off with that.
2: (laughs) Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer.
0: If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to trylifemd.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at try That's trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.
1: This is the story of the wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything
0: on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping.